Ladies and gents, welcome back to uh, another Engineers podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Kareem Zahir, who's Director of Engineering at an organization called BetterUp. BetterUp are another mission-led business to come and join us. Essentially, what the business do, they're an online coaching and leadership development platform, combining and harnessing AI tech, behavioral science, but also using individual mentors and one-to-one coaching sessions. And we've got some really interesting topics that we're going to uncover today. Got a big smile on your face, Kareem. Um, Transitioning BetterUp's product into Europe, obviously being founded in the US and some of the challenges with data sovereignty. And I think that's going to be a really interesting topic to explore Uh, I love these regulation and compliance challenges around data, but there's also some really interesting scaling challenges that we're about to uncover. So, Kareem, first and foremost, big thanks for coming to join us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for the interim. Uh, Yeah, super excited to be here. Thank you for hosting me. Pleasure. Before we dive into Better Up, talk to us a little bit about Kareem. Kareem's background and share with the audience who you are. Sure. Um, I'm originally from Egypt. Um, I actually started my career when I was 14, building my own startup. Uh, this is how I uh, yeah, kicked off my career. I, I built uh, later on like four other startups, into the five, start, five startups overall, serving different markets between the US, Dubai, and Egypt. Uh, diverse product offering between online debating website, which was a big hit back in the days, uh, e-commerce and online chatbots. And then I'm, in 2017, moved to the Netherlands and joined a couple of Dutch companies. Uh, one of them was Booking.com and Imphase, which actually was acquired by BetterUp. And recently, almost a year and two months ago, I joined BetterUp. Um, yeah, my craftsmanship is backend. I always have been a backend developer, but Slowly throughout my career, I definitely was more excited about management, and this is where I started following my aspirations there. Good for you. So you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit then, from from your travels yeah. and joining startups or fast-growing businesses. Yes, I was always. Ex- I I didn't know what's actually entrepreneur entrepreneurship mean back then, but I definitely was super excited about like having this idea and turning it into reality. Uh, and then going through all the challenges um, and 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 you know fixing our customers' problems, uh, that was always a passion of mine since I was young. Yeah, uh, I know from some of the work that BetterUp do, and I've obviously worked with them closely in the past. Talk to us a little bit about the values and the DNA of the business, because I think, especially, I can really feel it come forward when I talk to you when I'm engaged in the Better Up brand. And I know that's something that's really, really important for the business. So talk to us about the values and the DNA of the business. Yeah, definitely. Um, Our mission is to help everyone everywhere live their life with better purpose, passion, and clarity. Like, it's not just a mission. It's not just something that we put on the wall. It's really in in our culture, right? Um, Our high-impact behaviors, which we really leverage every day and we use them in all our conversations is around impressing yourself right making sure that wherever we like we are walking the talk here so we are also as better operators we are going through a transformation ourselves so we are serving we are providing our customers uh, what we call a human transformation platform yep. which is basically building software to help 
to impact human behavior, but also as as better offers, are we also going through this transformation? Yeah. And that's that's what's super exciting about the culture of better. And that's why going back to my career, what got me excited to join better because my mission from the beginning was helping enabling my like everyone around me to, to grow and discover themselves. I always hired students. That was my mentality in my startups. And then, you know, finding a company that does that as a service was super exciting. Yeah. Explain in a little bit more detail some of the products or the offering of BetterUp so the, the audience have some clarity because I think that would be really valuable for them to understand. Yeah, definitely. So we, we have multiple interventions, multiple products, but we, we first started with the shape coaching. And um, we actually introduced the concept of the shape coaching, right? In the back in the days, it was like, Coaching was all around like executive, this boring executive coaching where you, you know, you hire, you rent an hotel and you come together in a room. Yeah. And that was, you know, the, the typical coaching back then. We introduced the concept of digital coaching. And as we are like a blue ocean believers, we blue ocean strategy, which is a very core also into our um, uh, blood as better offers. And as we introduced that, like we started... Yes, we definitely want to help everyone everywhere, but we also started looking where can we make the biggest impact? And this is why where we started first on B2B. So our main product today is around providing digital coaching for professionals, um, professionals all around the world. We're supporting many of the greatest brands in the world yeah. and uh, helping leaders maneuver the way through the, um, um, you know, the, the, challenge, the daily challenges at work we're also keeping in mind what we call the whole person model in the background, right? Yes, you're a leader, but you also you want to be a thriving human. So how can we make sure that whatever software, whatever coaching we're doing, whatever AI we inject in the middle and augment, yeah. you know, takes that into account? Yeah, uh, I think it's, it, it is a really intuitive platform. I think the evolution of AI will naturally advance what the platform can do as well, um, which which I think is really important because the, the recyclability or reusability of content, the engagement that you can have, you can also have training initiatives through that platform, I can imagine. I can just foresee how AI can really propel what BetterUp can go and do and how it can actually serve some of the customers. Yeah, definitely. AI is a core part of our business. It's a core pillar. Right, science also is another one, right? So when you start combine combine science and technology, then you you definitely do AI, right? So I you have a lot of PhDs and a lot of uh, psychologists and and, and yeah, like uh, professionals that are experts into human psychology, um, and we're all seeing definitely the move also like recent the recent move around chat GPT and and definitely how the world is definitely moving there. But overall, it's Definitely leveraging AI to provide the right intervention at the right time, right? It's personalizing it also, right? It's, it starts with just choosing the right coach, right? As we understand you, as you do so assessment at the beginning, you know, it's still a human in, in, in connection. Are we giving you the right coach, right? Uh, if not, we learn also from, from that and make sure that, you know, that the second recommendation is, is the right one. But also as you, as, as you go through your coaching experience and both of you and your coach start uh, inputting some information about how the conversation is going, 
we start leveraging that also back to our like bringing it back to our machine models and start up leveling this experience by enabling the coach uh, or also enabling the member to um, go through a, a, like a self learning uh, experience. Yeah. So definitely, AI is a very core part of it. Yeah, it's dual ended self learning. That's what's quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's quite. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to explore how the the business culture DNA bleeds into some of the engineering culture. I'd be really interested to explore how that happens or if that happens. That's a very good question. Um, definitely, you know, it's, it's one team, right? Like I like Alexi, the CEO, was, you know, he has this example that also resonates with me. Like, you know, he, he says he cannot cure business. He cannot cure cancer if you don't know what's cancer, right? So if we are as engineers, if we are into the, you know, the ones that are focusing on the how, right, the engineering R&D, um, you know, we need to understand really what's, what's the what, what's, what's the job to be done. What are the challenges of our customers? Uh, so definitely we need to blend this and make sure there isn't any gaps. Um, and there's a lot of the business mindsets that we try to implement on the engineering. So um, like, as I mentioned, Blue Ocean strategy is a big part of that. And we try to bring this into our engineering culture also as well. It's like, what can we do differently, right? Is, is it just following the trend, right? It's just, you know, seeing what's what's the fancy technology out there was like, you know, okay, what, or what actually, what can we do to that really fits our use case and can uh, decrease the cost and provide a bigger value to our customers. Um, but also the having common high impact, high impact behaviors, as I mentioned in the beginning, and making sure that this also is translated for every function. So when we say uh, like one of our high impact behaviors, do, do less, live more. That's one of our biggest high impact behaviors, right? Um, that's when you implement this on the engineering side, there's a lot to think about, right? It's like the, the best, you know, thing you can do is actually no code. If you, if there's impact, then, you know, you should go there. Right. Um, but also if you're implementing today, if you're going for a short solution today, but you don't have an eye on the future, then you're not actually living more. So there's, there's definitely a caveat to that, but making sure that everyone has this mindset and that's why, um, our onboarding experience is very unique, right? Regardless of where, what job you applied for or got accepted for, everyone goes to a one month intense onboarding experience, just understanding the business. Not your role, nothing, right? It's just your business. And making sure that what's, like we, we have this common question for everyone, what's your job at Bedrock? Make the company win. Okay. Right. I like that. So that that makes, yeah, that's, that's how we, we do it. Better, yeah. What's that one month onboarding process like? Ooh, um, it's a lot of learning. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I didn't go through it. I had so I one year ago I went to the old market. We, we like a few months after I joined, uh, we implemented a new one. So and and it shows a new hiring onboarding program is very around like um, making sure that everyone goes through this transformational journey. So there's a lot of books that we, we send out to all our employees uh, around like um, experience economy. What's what like the, the that's very important. Positive psychology. So books like Positive Advantage, uh, books like 
business conscious, right? These are books that everyone reads and then everyone goes through a series of what we call quests, right? You group together and you start making, going, following a quest and trying to learn and unlearn. More importantly, that's also something we talk a lot about. It's not just learning, but also unlearning, right? And getting ready for your mission, you know, after that. And we believe this is the time where everyone is the most malleable. So that's why we really make sure, you know, it's, it's, is, um, an intense learning journey. And this also fits our third high impact behavior, which is work to learn. Yeah. I think in actual fact, I've spoken about this so many times on the podcast. If, if you're in a consumer based business and you're in a position where you can really learn what the product does for customers, you will naturally be able to engineer better solutions because it's almost like the empathy for the product just bleeds out because you know what it's like to use better up or insert a b and c company because you've been a user right so i can imagine if going through that onboarding that's what some of that process would look like as well that is really valuable to come back into a product team and and be quite consultative about this is how I feel about the product. This is why I feel it's beneficial for people. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. And it also contributes to distributed what we call distributed autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we like in a, in a very high paced environment, right? If we want to make sure everyone's focused on the right things and 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 and, and, and moving the entire company forward then you need to make sure everyone understands the why. And then as extreme owners, we jump in and, and focus on the how. Yeah. So definitely this is very uh, important for us and key for our success. You sound like Simon Sinek, everyone understanding the why. <laughs> yeah. It's important. It's if you don't understand, then you know, of course it yeah, is. You, should, you should pause. You should seize all the efforts. That's my opinion. If you don't know the why, you know, don't act. No, I agree. You, you should know the why. You're spot on. I'd be really keen to uncover some of the engineering challenges, particularly transitioning a product into Europe or a new continent comes with its own challenges centered around data. We're going to explore that, but also scaling a business and what that actually means technically. I think there's some quite cool things to uncover. So can you talk to us from, I guess, really from point A, the challenges around data sovereignty of what what did you think you needed to solve, what was different, and where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, so a little bit of going back in history, so or, or more of context. Um, so better as a company was founded like 10 years ago in the US. It was mainly focused on the US market in the last eight and a half years. Um, although we had global partners and global members, but they were it was still mainly focused on, on the US region. Um, during the, towards the end of 2021, um, as Better went through a, a, a strong round of trust uh, cycle, we made the decision, a conscious decision to uh, expand to Europe, right? We sold a lot of demand and it was time for us to go beyond the US and start expanding in Europe. 
Um, as we started exploring the, the challenge there, the, the biggest part on the technical side was around, we, most of our code is in the monolith and it's hosted in a US cluster, right? So in, pre in my previous experience on, you know, as we read online, like usually it's just moving from one region to other, it's as simple as like scaling horizontally. Why don't we just, you know, offer a new, build a new European cluster, main infrastructure work and that's it. And then, you know, you're done. Um, however, what's unique in BetterUp's product is that we have a persona that exists across region. Okay. So think about it like an Amazon model, right? Amazon in Europe, every country has its own Amazon. Mm -hmm. So that's the easy part for member experience. But think about if, if there's the supplier yeah. that sells the product and, and sells across multiple clusters, then you need to have a different tool for that, right? Okay. So when we started working, like started exploring the European regulations, and this is where we actually kicked off the European team and acquired in place yeah. uh, in Amsterdam, um, we we found that you know GDPR is a big thing here in Europe, right? And all our customers asking us to they want the data to stay in Europe, they want the member data to stay here. So that's easy from a from a member experience. But then how would you uh, how would that impact the coach experience that can operate between the US and Europe? Um, so from there, we started, you know, understanding, okay, it's not just an infrastructure, you know, uh, quick lift and that's it. We, we, we're ready to go. It's more of like, okay, we need to think deeper. How can we, um, like smoothly Mike, uh, scale this experience, this coach experience across the cluster without stopping the machine. That's always the hardest challenge because you're still going under huge pressure of gross, right. And, and, and demand and, and product. Uh, you know, scalability and, and, and you need to make sure that everything goes well, but also uh, tackling this challenge. Um, so after a lot of like brainstorming and offsite and thinking and, and, and making sure, you know, okay, what's the do less, deliver more? Again, that's back to better culture, mindset. Yeah. Uh, but also how can we impress ourselves? Uh, we started recognizing that, okay, um, you know, this is an opportunity to also impress ourselves and, and Look ahead. Okay, we need to scale further. This is this is just this is an opportunity to really uh, get things in order. So we started making a couple of big moves around. Okay, what like in Europe we need to migrate to to AWS. In US we had a Heroku micro, uh, cluster. Yeah. Looking forward, this is where we believe this is the right mindset. Obviously, also this is a fast track ticket, or as we call it, to distributed systems. So what? What's the right strategy in terms of systems to extract, uh, especially around the coach persona? Um, but more importantly, how can you tackle today's needs? And this is what the do that's different more mindset, right? It's like, how can you tackle today's needs um, to overcome like high operational burden yeah. and, and further scale in Europe and then fix, you know, all the other problems later on. And this is where we invested heavily into Switching our models to adopt into multi-database uh, strategy. Yeah. So we started moving from a, a local Postgres database in U in the US into introducing another what we call centralized Amazon Aurora, yeah. leveraging Aurora and its global replication. And this is where we started moving some of the data that can exist in a global manner. Yeah. Right. Like the coach, the coach data, and so on. 
to this uh, database um, and uh, eliminating any operational overhead for now, enabling us to expand further in Europe and then slowly building APIs on top of that. So this was mainly the, I would say, the biggest investment for big part of the platform org uh, last year. How long did that take? And in a situation like that, how do you actually map out that technical strategy? Because it seems like there's a number of different variables that you're balancing. So how do you actually balance that, map that strategy out, but also think about the priorities of the business? That's a great question. Um, so let, let me first answer how long did it take. So the, I would say in total, I would say like the, the bringing up the EU cluster, European cluster, and doing the data extraction, those other minor features around like account lookup, right? This is also more complex around like you have a mobile app, now when a user tries to log in, yeah. which cluster they should be routed and so on. So there's other cables that were built around that, but it took around six to, to, to eight months. Um, that's in terms of how long it took. Um, so how do you balance that? That's a great question. So again, first of all, understanding the why, you know, what we discussed, yep. you know, what's, what's we, we have a very strong, uh, we invest heavily into making sure, uh, not just everyone understands the why, but making sure there's capabilities that force the why or forces everyone to move in the right strategy, right? Like this is going back to Martin Rogers framework, right? It's like every strategy needs to have a capability part to ensure that you're moving forward in the right direction. So uh, a better if we have this culture around our framework called TPS, trees, plants, and seeds. We love nature, right? So we, we try to present that in also in our strategy. And we basically say, okay, these are the trees. These are the things you need to focus, put 70% of your time on. These are the plants where you put 20% and these are the seeds. Um, so when, when we look at that, we try to say, okay, what are the priorities? Where can we make the biggest impact of moving it on the trees while, you know, maybe making small investments into the plants and seeds and then, you know, deferring the rest later. Yeah. Um, so we, we had to, you know, step aside of the work. We made, had a couple of offsites. We, we started by building a technical vision. Where do we want to go beyond this year? Right. What's our blueprint on terms of architectural design? Yeah. Uh, and then for every component, what's the threshold that we say, okay, this is the time to invest in. Yeah. It's a big lift, but we don't want to go into like endless migrations. Yeah. Right. So what's, what's the threshold where we say, okay, this is the time for it. What questions we need from our cross-functional partners, from sales, from field, from wherever, uh, that can help us answer this threshold. And then from there we say, okay, this is the time to invest in. And this is a multi-year plan we just completed, uh, like the first milestone of it, uh, you know, last month. And now we are moving on as we get more signals from the business on like, okay, this is becoming a priority or not. Yeah. I, I love the 70-20-10 analogy, but I also love the multi-year plans of, I can just imagine in those system designs or technical strategies, there's so many things to consider. There are scaling challenges in one, two years' time that you're thinking about where you have to actually incorporate, let's just say in your case, uh, maybe new countries or territories into the platform. 
Are there different payment services or whatever it might be? I just find it fascinating thinking about how multifaceted it actually is and how tough that must be to to be at that point and think about where do we want to be in three years' time. Yeah. Yeah, the prospection is hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's super hard. Uh, but, you know, it's, we, we believe that we understand fully the value of it. Um, we also understand if you don't have a roadmap, someone will give it to you, right? So yeah. this is why I tell my teams, right? So you need to have a strong opinion, especially when you're on the platform side and you're like two steps away from the real customer value. And then the thing that I actually learned also by heart throughout my career is even if you're doing engineering work, you need to find a way to monetize that effort, right? If that's, that's I think, the, you know, the key like to to the success of a platform in migration if you can turn it into a money conversation then i think then you can understand okay is this the right time to invest what are the signals from field and how does it relate yeah okay and that's super hard of course uh, i like that i'm gonna take that line as a snippet and i'll be recycling that i love that one what what do you think one of the biggest technical challenges was because I know we spoke about some things in there and I know moving out of Heroku into AWS was one of those and how we've spoken about that offline. Would you say that scenario or any other scenario? As the biggest challenges, technical challenges we had, yeah. we we're facing today or last year? Last um, year. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. No, I, I would say if you look at AWS migrations and be pretty much straightforward, right? You, again, <laughs> I'm sure some people won't like that, but it's, it's you know, there's a lot of examples in that on how folks have done that, either in the company or outside, you know, in, uh, in, in the tech scene. Like there's, there's, there's a clear path, yeah. right? And you need to dockerize, you need to use the Kubernetes, you need to, you know, make sure you have maybe a load balancer and on all the, like, migration path for data and maybe a timeout whatever like you know it's it's clear that the components are clear um i think again from my perspective the biggest challenge on technical side is actually not the craftsmanship it's the mindset right and i think that drives the the decision on the how um you know given the enormous growth of of, of better up in the last couple of years like you know two years ago the engineering team was 22 yeah today we're already above 150 what? right so that's a sudden change that that's it that's it takes time for you know for people to just understand oh it's it's different reality right and um when you maybe go a level dip, step deeper you find that there's a lot of gaps around processes and, and capabilities that might um, impair you all your work or, or impair the progress, right? It really slow down the progress. Like things we we faced last year, or one of our biggest challenges last year, it's like you have a big monitor, a very few services are extracted, um, and how would you define ownership? Ownership and accountability now becomes as you go through this, you know, out of the explore state or expand state yeah if you don't have this strong mindset of ownership and accountability and making sure that everyone again back to but of impact high impact behavior extreme ownership you 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 understand you know the how well your systems are performing then it's very hard to go uh to the next phases because it will get harder and harder and harder right 
Um, so one of our biggest investments on the capability side last year, as we were doing all the other things, was around building a capability to make sure that we can define systems in our monolith, yeah. in our unstructured monolith, let me make it also clear, right? Because you, you can go into like Shopify's model around like maybe modelizing the monolith. If you already have clear separation of concerns, then that's great. It's easy. But with an unstructured monolith, how can you start there defining the right systems, making sure that, you know, um, these systems have SLOs, like defining SLOs on a monolith per system is one of the hardest challenges, in my opinion. Uh, and we, we, we invested a lot of effort last year into that and making sure we have the right tooling. And then from there, we have the right base, right? So when you want to start investing in modularization or you want to start investing in extraction, or you even go to another round of like lit scaling, you are ready for it. Yeah, I think I think I've picked up quite a lot about your engineering culture just in these last couple of minutes, and it probably does relate back to your why. And you know, does this have monetary value to our engineering? And you talk about the mindset over the technologies, as in. I can imagine growing from 22 to 100 plus, it's about how do I coach people on the right mindset and do things the right way, as opposed to how do I coach people to learn Kubernetes, as an example. That's not going to solve our problem. This is going to solve our problem. Mindset, processes, engineering practices, maybe, or maybe our vision. Yeah, 100% agree. It's it's. Again, do less, even more, right? Every step, you, every as an engineer, this is why I tell my team is like every step we take today is a step forward towards our mission, right? It's not a step forward towards like making our systems better. It's not a step yeah. forward to make like you know your manager happy. No, it's a step forward to make an impact on a human being. Yeah, and that's 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 what I think is very special for a better is like we have a very strong mission, but we also have folks who came in that are very committed. To that mission, and also folks with a with A star players that you know with a great experience. This combination of three things or three principles, I think, what's excited me to join BetterUp, and also Good. what's I think is making a, a, us in a like in a leading uh, position. Good. Expanding into new territories presents its own challenges, and we always wanted to cover off data sovereignty, data laws, so. Talk to us about some of that expansion. I know we touched on a couple of elements, but that expansion and what data laws and examples you've bumped into and how you navigate them. Yeah, so for 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 Europe, um, it was definitely GDPR and, and, and yes. data sovereignty. These are two different regulations, right? But they did have a lot of overlap. Uh, what's like GDPR is more clear, I think, where data sovereignty um uh, sorry data sovereignty is more clear than the gdpr data sovereignty is just basically making sure that the partner data stays in europe right it doesn't get processed in 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 in, uh, in the us uh or in the eea uh, european uh commercial uh zone um <clears throat> so this was the biggest uh this was the biggest regulation last year uh from the european side given that we have a lot of like we have a, a our main um, data lake is in the US, right? So that was also a challenge on our side. 
how can we make sure that European data doesn't go through, like doesn't got processed in Europe, and uh, you know, uh, as we are building the machine models and and making sure that um, our data lake has the right data. So this was definitely one of the regulations there. GDPR also, there's a lot of experiences that we have to change in Europe. Um, and this was a unique experience for me because in my past, I was adopting, right? It's like, we started with GDPR, we started in Europe, and then now we just want to expand to the US. And it's easy, right? You're going one level there in terms of like strictness, uh, but that was an interesting challenge to offer, right? You really need to up level your, your standard because the GDPR has a very high level there. Yeah. Um, what's interesting also was actually not in Europe, it was on the other side, also in the US. Um, we also work with the federal government. Okay. And we, there's a, one of the toughest laws, at least in my experience, is FedRAM compliance. Like this is, this is a whole new world. Uh, and this impacted a lot on how our, our, organi- how our systems operate today mm-hmm. and, the, and the protocols they use. Uh, definitely we try to isolate. So basically our strategy is like, is this a leverage? Is this something actually we think can apply to all our customers? Okay. Then let's apply it. And then this is where, oh, this is very unique to this kind of user. Then this is where we try to isolate it. Uh, but this was definitely uh, a tough regulation with 300 uh, checks that you need to pass through. Wow. Um, and it's it's important for us because, yes, a big part of our data is talent development. But there's also, we have another side of better, which is mental health around care, what we call better care. And this is health data, right? So this is where we definitely need to you know take like make sure we we always go for a best in class high level in terms of like data privacy and security do, do you have a lot of automation tooling etc built around some of this stuff to safeguard it we're getting there right it was like uh you, as i mentioned <laughs> there's a lot of gaps so you need to figure out what's the right thing to work on True. today but we definitely that's the mindset we have right it's like um, you know, if, if, if it's like, if you can p- avoid writing code today, then avoid, right? As it scales, as you bypass the threshold, then it's time to invest, right? And make sure definitely you have the right threshold there as you monitor and signal the, the market changes. Um, but yeah, definitely that's, that, that's the mindset. Good. Automation and tooling and, and making sure we have the right capabilities there. No, I bet. And this year, big, that's a big part of the investment this year around identity. Um, like this, this is where we believe it's time to go to the next level uh, as as we go through this multi-cluster strategy. And we believe this is where we need to invest further into like our account management identity and access policy. Okay. And making sure there's strong automation there. Nice. Okay. What else is on the agenda this year then? A lot. Um, so on the so in Europe, that's my like my teams are mainly uh, focused. So identity is a big part. This is definitely a, a, a scope we own in Europe. Uh, there's also another one around video uh, enhancements. So the video messaging team is also in Europe. Um, um, or like we have really up leveled our experience. We want to make sure like our video tool is not like an, another Zoom or Google Meets, right? It's now it's it's unique to better right it also takes the the coaching mindset into it and has the right interventions there good um 
but also across the board, there's a lot of work done there around like um, the continuing the AWS migration, um, further enhancement into our products, right? We're introducing two new products this year, or mainly a big one and, and enhancements to another one, uh, and making sure we have a consolidated product, like we're selling what we call TriplePlay and, and a human transformation platform. Yeah. From the customer perspective, it's one platform, but from the background, there's multiple products supporting that. That's cool. That's really cool. I, I'm a million percent going to want to do uh, like a volume two at some point coming into 2024, just to see where the growth of the business is, to see where the why's at or the mindset's at. And, and this is a moment that people wait for just to understand more about the people growth really for this year, whether it be US, whether it be Europe, the business obviously has ambitions to do better this year. How will you be hiring and what will you be hiring over the course of this year for people listening? Um, so, you know, um, definitely want to grow. Definitely we have a lot of aspirations for this year, but also we are prudent given what's happening in the world, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we're still hiring, we're still growing our teams, but we are also focusing mainly on our mission critical teams. Um, so for example, in Amsterdam, we have three open vacancies right now, uh, one for the video and, and, uh, sorry, two vacancies open for, for the video team, video messaging team, and, and one for a core platform team that is owning a, a lot of what I discussed today around distributed systems. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And we're also definitely hiring for a couple of mission critical roles in in in, in the US. Um, and you know, th that's the horizon right now. We're just shorting the horizon as we see how things are happening yeah. in the world. Uh, but definitely once we feel more confident, I think we, we it's time to, you know, go to another round of, of scale, then we will um, aim for definitely growing the team much in a much faster pace. Yeah, it's it's March twenty twenty three and Obviously, um, there's news everywhere of what's going on. You know, we don't necessarily need to name names, but um, lots happening over the course of even yesterday, last weekend. So there's challenges macroeconomically that I think companies are just being very wary of and seeing what happens. So that's totally understandable. I think mission critical hires that you know are really important for the health or operational health of a product or a business, go for it. But I understand that makes sense. For all old people listening, career sites will be below uh, for, for people to have a look at and Kareem's LinkedIn profile will be below. Like I said to you before, Kareem, um, I'm pleased we're here. It's taken us a good four or five months um, to get yeah, done. Exactly. I'm, we made it. We made it. We made it. I'm delighted. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to be here early next year because we planned Jan, to be fair. So we'll plan for next Jan um, that we'll be here. Can't wait for that. Yeah. For everyone listening, like, share, subscribe, show your friends. Come and talk to us. We want to share more stories around what teams and companies are building. Um, that's the plan. You know, that is the focus for, for engineers, the community. So we want to see more from that. 
um, or we want to see or we need your support. Kareem, a big thanks to you. Thanks for being patient as well. Um, we're finally here, like I said, but big thanks to you for coming to share the Better Up story. What an unbelievable mission. I know how mission-led you are uh, inside of the business as well, and it was great to feel that today, but a huge thanks. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here today. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk more about our mission and our excitement towards pushing it forward. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Looking forward for the next uh, call, hopefully in a couple of months from now. I agree. Next couple of months. And like I said, like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks from Engineers. Hey guys, thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks guys.